at CFRC 101.9 FM. Today with us, we have Dr. Jessica Wood, research specialist and sexual health expert who will answer some questions around sexual health and navigating the same while returning on campus in the pandemic. Dr. Wood, I would love for you to introduce yourself and your work to start us off. Hi, everyone. My name is Jessica Wood, and I am a research specialist at CCAN, which is the Sex Information and Education Council of Canada. Uh, CCAN is a, a nonprofit organization that works with educators, healthcare providers, policymakers, and others to promote sexual and reproductive health in Canada. Great. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Wood. I think it's great to have an expert on board to discuss this very crucial matter around health and spe specifically sexual health that affects everyone on campus right now in more ways than one. I think it is best to begin with the most obvious matter in hand, which is the pandemic, which may have had its effects on how we look at intimacy and sexual contact in general. Perhaps would you like to talk about COVID and sexual health for our listeners? What has changed? What hasn't? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's, it's a pleasure to, to be here. And I'm really happy to hear that, you know, we're talking about this uh, on campus as well. So there's, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion around sexual health and COVID. Uh, and you know what is what are the kind of key issues that we're seeing the key changes we're seeing there's some really good research coming out around people's experiences of you know relationships sexual behavior access to services uh, and generally you know we're, we're seeing some changes uh, and i guess some kind of um, ongoing similar patterns as well mm -hmm. but it, one of the things that strikes me the most uh, that I think is really key to, to think about is that you know in, in our research what we're finding is that um, there has been a decrease in access to sexual health services so mm -hmm. things like STI testing reproductive health services HIV uh, services and testing and you know this is because a lot of the time um, health care providers are being redeployed to COVID-related issues uh, and COVID-related services. And so I think we really need, especially when we're talking about like the university setting, one of the things is that we really need to think about is how are students accessing sexual health care services um, mm. and what does that mean for their sexual health and well-being? But I think that, you know, in terms of kind of, you know, how we approach sexual health, during the pandemic, you know, some of the ways we approach sexual health is going to be, you know, similar. Some of them are going to be new or different. So, you know, I think about pre, post and during pandemic, making sure that, you know, we're considering strategies for safer sex, that we're getting tested for STIs, thinking about contraception and what works best for us and talking with partners about you know, sexual and emotional needs and boundaries. Those are going to continue to be important for enhancing sexual health throughout, um, regardless of the pandemic or not. But with COVID, I think we also need to make sure that during and right after the pandemic, that safer sex includes COVID-19 risk reduction. So, you know, receiving the COVID-19 vaccine is a very important tool that students can use to reduce their risk of getting or passing COVID-19 during partnered sex. So one new thing that the pandemic, you know, kind of brings up is that discussion about vaccination status and COVID risk reduction strategies, you know, should be incorporated into our sexual health and relationship 
decision making, right? So talking about uh, talk, yes. talking openly with partners about vaccination status or potential exposures, the kinds of social activities we're engaging in that might put us at you know higher or lower risk for getting or passing COVID nineteen, and talking to you know partners about when we have symptoms um, and you know maybe avoiding close contact sex when we're symptomatic and making sure we're getting tested for COVID. So kind of extending our communication and consent discussions to ensure that COVID is a part of that, I think is very important and, and something that is you know newer within the context of the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, it's also that we, we shouldn't be undermining the impacts of pandemic in our intimate relationships. And what, you're, what I'm hearing that you're saying is that those protocols have to be a part of conversations that we usually have about sexual health, but also in, in terms of uh, creating new, new boundaries uh, which actually respect somebody's uh, immune, immunocompromised systems or like just generally about how sexual health can be directly impacted by the pandemic in so many ways. And that was so super clear and informative. And especially, I, I like that you talked about services and resources that are being redirected towards COVID, which also affects how sexual health is generally taken care of on a place like in, in a university. And especially like given the rise of STI rates among university, Canadian university students, such information is really like it seems like it's really lacking and needs to be formally inculcated in universities uh, through training formats and even resources, which I feel Queens does lack in many ways. And it's great that you mentioned how these services need to need to actually extend themselves into um, uh, COVID protocols uh, and also and continue continue the importance of having proper sexual health services on campus and that also brings me to the point that um, because there is no proper information being inculcated in universities uh, through training formats around sexual health there are so many myths around both COVID and even sexual health and right now they both like commingle on so many ways and I'm glad we are able to get the space to discuss this pertinent matter with you um, and it, it when I talk about myths I'm only thinking about how contraception in general, but with specific regards to COVID, there has been so many myths, like even within my own friend circles, or generally the conversation around sexual health uh, with regards to contraception and COVID. There were so many myths uh, about how having COVID or having the symptoms of COVID or taking the vaccine could could affect how how people who take contraception might think about contraception in general. So uh, I'm I'm also talking about the blood clots that that led to a lot of conversation. Uh, so like would would do you have anything to say about that? Like do you have any myths to be debunked uh-huh. when we talk about contraception? And because when we talk about resources on campus, I think it's the biggest um, matter like matter which affects people's sexual health is the need for contraceptive services and contraceptive resources so and what we have seen in in the university is that there's there's a lot of fear around contraception now given there is the covid pandemic with the with, with the myths going around so like what would you tell our listeners about that yeah yeah i, I think you've said a lot of really important pieces in that um and I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll touch on a few of those. First, I'll, I'll address the, you know, the, the contraceptive piece. Um, you know, I do think, you know, we all need to exercise, exercise caution in terms of ensuring that we reduce our risk of getting or passing COVID-19. And as you mentioned, there is a great, and there was a great deal of discussion about 
the risk of blood clots when specifically when the AstraZeneca vaccine was being offered. Yes. So I think first it's important to note that blood clots from the AstraZeneca vaccine were very rare and that that vaccine is not currently being offered. Um, and also I'm not aware of any research showing that using hormonal contraceptives increases the risk of vaccine related blood clots in people who have had the AstraZeneca vaccine. There are very few contraindications for receiving a COVID vaccine, like the mRNA vaccines. So the ones that are produced by Moderna and Pfizer. Um, And those are related to, you know, things like having an anaphylactic reaction to a COVID vaccine. So my understanding uh, is that being on on contraceptive contraception alone is not a recommended reason to avoid receiving an mRNA vaccine. And so to your listeners, I would say that if someone is concerned about their risk of blood clots um, with certain types of hormonal contraceptives, right, because there's, you know, there's a risk of blood clots with hormonal contraceptives versus, you know, risk of blood clots with vaccines. And those, to my understanding, again, I am not a physician, but I think that, you know, this is something to talk to physicians about um, and that they, you know, they may work in different ways. Um, They should talk to, so if people are concerned about risk of blood clots with hormonal contraceptions, um, they should talk to their healthcare providers and, you know, also see what options might work best best for them. So there are, you know, non-hormonal approaches like, um, you know, non-hormonal or copper IUDs, barriers like condoms, um, both internal or external condoms. And, you know, just also noting to your listeners that both contraception and COVID vaccines can be absolutely life-saving. So it's important for people to have access to contraceptives contraceptives that work for them and to protect themselves from COVID-19. So that's like the kind of, I guess, message that I would, I would put out there in terms of contraceptives is that, um, you know, not aware of any research showing that this is a contraindication. And if someone's concerned about risk of blood clots with hormonal contraceptives, please talk to your healthcare providers and talk about options. Um, And you mentioned a couple of other very important points about, you know, I guess, university um, supports, uh, especially for, well, there was a a couple of things. Uh, You you spoke to a need uh, for training and resources, which I think is absolutely necessary um, for both, you know, say anyone who's working in sexual reproductive health, sexual health and well-being education on campus, and anyone who's working in healthcare on campus as well. Uh, and to that effect, we are creating resources that focus. Seekin uh, has created some resources that focus on sexual health and COVID specifically. Um, some of those are on our website in the form of infographics uh, that we've done, you know, in collaboration with Trojan. Some of them we are releasing very soon. We will be releasing some um, COVID and sexual health care specific resources that are for healthcare providers. Uh, Mm -hmm. We'll be releasing those in the next few weeks. And and, these resources are to kind of alert healthcare providers to some of the specific things that you need to think about um, as we're going through the pandemic and as we come out of the pandemic. And the other other piece you mentioned too, is that we absolutely need clear messages um, for, for people, especially, you know, for young people who are, you know, 
maybe in their first year of university or people who are in their first year university that was all online and now they're coming on campus and they're interacting more. People are coming back to dating. People are coming back to having more sexual interactions. And what are some of the messages? What are some of the guidelines? So I think it's very important um, for universities to ensure that students have access to sexual health services. So as I mentioned in our research, we found that anywhere from 22 to 30% of students, so there's university students, university undergraduate students, um, reported decreased access to STI testing and services during the pandemic. Uh, so more or less students, depending on gender, racial identity, and, and sexual orientation. Yeah. And similarly, almost a third of undergraduate women said they had decreased access to reproductive health services during the pandemic. So there may be many students who have, you know, missed STI testing or care when they needed it, or maybe there are many who have missed appointments related to their sexual and reproductive health, such as like PAP tests or contraceptives or the HPV vaccine. Yeah. Um, and so We've also found, you know, as you, you kind of mentioned this as well, in our research, there, there is still a strong need for sexual health services and STI testing for students in general. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we do see that STI rates in, in youth or young adults, um, 18 to 24 have, have increased, but condom use and concern about STIs has decreased over the years. So we do need to make sure that, you know, university students have information about sexual health and we need to make sure that there's access to sexual health care on campuses. Um, so we need to make sure that the student's ability to access things like STI testing services and contraception is both easy and accessible. Yeah. So this means that the care also accounts for their specific needs, that it's trauma informed, and that care providers also discuss aspects of COVID with students when discussing contraceptive options. So for example, if you need to isolate, you know, do you have enough, if you're, and you're on oral contraceptives, do you have enough to get you through the isolation period? Um, yeah. Ensuring that healthcare providers talk about which forms of contraceptives require more in-person visits um, versus mm -hmm. those that you can, you know, kind of implement on your own and what are the pros and cons of each of those so people can decide what is best for them. So I think that's kind of a, a really big area that we might need more enhanced access, more, more focus on some of this sexual health information and sexual health care access uh, institutionally. And, you know, thinking about other areas that uh, I think think um, are very clear given what is you know, going on and been reported at universities like Western and Guelph, there's a very clear need um, for greater structural support to ensure you know, other aspects of sexual and relational well-being, like the prevention of sexual and gender-based violence. Yes. Um, so we, you know, in addition to what we see reported recently, you know, we know that gender-based violence has increased during the pandemic and that you know, young women, queer women, racialized women, women with disabilities, or et cetera, are disproportionately at risk. Mm -hmm. um, so university students may need additional access to you know, gender-based violence prevention information and support services both during and following the pandemic so that this aspect of sexual and relational life is also you know, protected, enhanced, and supported. Um, so I think there's a strong kind of need for education regarding consent and structural support for survivors as well. Yes, and I, that was actually like going to be my next question because when you said trauma-informed uh, sexual health services, there's in Queen's University right now, both from the graduate and the undergraduate uh, sectors of, of campus, there's been a push for better mental health services on campus, which 
lack in terms of the uh, the amount of uh, students uh, does is very incongruent to the number of therapists on campus and at the same time there is a very clear uh, like skewed demography of how many racialized therapists or like trauma informed therapists are mm-hmm. actually available on campus so i was i was also wondering like i know that like that you have a busy schedule but like in spirit of time i will just end with this last question which which you have pro- like answered a bit but then I, i guess because what's happening in western is is not just something which is uh, which is limited to western university mm-hmm. obviously the the problem of of uh, sexual and gender based violence is very much alive even at our own campus at queens so i was wondering how can we like people who are um, in place in the positions of bargaining like like the union on campus that like the undergraduate societies of for students how can we uh, like articulate our demand for better mental health services which which is trauma informed and which sort of actually does not undermine the importance of sexual health and and, and consent um, which is and related to the need for uh, 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 services which actually um address the problem of sexual and gender based violence and which is, which are also racialized in nature more often than not so mm-hmm. how do we like perhaps articulate that how do we make those connections uh, to the university so uh, so as to get those services which we need yeah 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 those are fantastic questions um you know i think that just 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 in general like the impact of the the covid-19 pandemic really does reinforce this the importance of taking a trauma informed approach to mm-hmm. sexual health to mental health and making those connections between because sex, sexual health and mental health are very much interconnected mm-hmm. um and linked and so it is very important that we incorporate those links um and recognize you know both in the education and in the healthcare that students are receiving um that students have you know additional uh additional traumas additional covid-19 related stressors yes. multiple forms of trauma all of these things need to be kind of incorporated when into their sexual health education and care uh and so in terms of advocating for that i mean one one kind of i think approach that may be helpful is really looking at and kind of summarizing articulating the research that links these things together uh and you know this is what we do often in our work is kind of bring together the research showing that you know there there here is what the problem is and uh here's the research that shows you um that also here's the research that shows you like on canadian campuses here's the here's a problem but also like we here's how trauma informed care can help and here's why we need more of that um you know maybe looking at showing how much um like what what are the statistics on queens campus specifically for some of these issues for some of the resources that are available uh, and bringing that forward and showing you know is there where where are the gaps there so you can actually demonstrate that you know we research shows we need these things but there's a gap here on this campus specifically um right. and you know that that may be one one way to you know kind of demonstrate um in that you know 
form more not formal way but more like research-based capacity um that uh yeah that evidence-based kind of format of um trying to articulate those demands and those needs is saying we know this works we know this is important and right now we don't have this correct yeah yeah that's really helpful I, i was also wondering because You've been talking about like your organization also like does the this kind of research and mm-hmm. and when we're talking about infographics that means it's accessible information is there any social media which we can talk about or like we we can tell our listeners to follow or like some some somewhere where people can go and actively actually access on their own i mean we can obviously do it as like uh, through cfrc and publicize it but uh if you want to like talk about like some any social media spaces where sekan does its uh information distribution that'll be great yeah yeah absolutely uh so we are on twitter uh um, oh that's awesome it, yeah yes so it's at sekan so at s i e c c a n and we have all of our resources so all of our infographics you know the canadian guidelines for sexual education a bunch of other kind of policy uh type documents we do also have these uh, these documents that collate a lot of research based information that you know you may even find helpful for some of the things that you're you're talking about around you know the importance of consent in sexual health education sexual health care um why is it important to address like incorporate sexual health education uh to prevent gender based violence we have incorp we have some of these documents that do bring together a lot of this research so there may be something in there for you in terms of like addressing um you know the things we're talking about on queens campus specifically uh and all of these things can be found at secan.org so s i e c c a n.org awesome thanks thanks again dr wood uh, for giving us the information and also giving us like where we can actually proactively access information while also fight for a better university campus that gives <laughs> the which addresses the obvious co- concerns around covid but also the very prolonged and an ongoing problems of sexual and gender based violence which uh, which can be addressed in many ways by by actually through a pedagogical perspective towards sexual health and mental health um thanks again for taking out your time and talking to cfrc 101.9 fm thank you very much it was my pleasure So after that illuminating conversation with Dr. Wood here is some local news from your CFRC 101.9 FM staff. Global climate strike drew crowd for change plans over 200 community members gathered outside of Kingston's courthouse for the global climate strike. Kingston joined over 1200 communities participating worldwide in the climate action demonstration on September 25th. The Kingston Pride parade took place from Skeleton Park and ended in the city park with a community fair. City Council has declared National Truth and Reconciliation Day a civic holiday. Kingston uh, City Council said that the September 30th will be a civic holiday to encourage municipal employees and the community to observe the occasion as intended. That's it from the scoop today. Please stay tuned in because we have fresh music coming right in for you. This is Prina Subramanian from CFRC 101.9 FM signing off. Thank you for listening to the scoop produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.